Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, second hour is here, Monday edition. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Been dissecting college football, all of the results from, from Saturday. We dove headfirst into the headlines earlier in the show, though. Frank Reich fired by the Indianapolis Colts. Jim Irsay moving on, and he's moving on to Jeff Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Jeff Saturday is now the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts after what was an abysmal performance by the Colts' offense in New England, 26-3 the final. And it's not like the Patriots were that good. The Colts were that bad, and Reich is out. Dan Dockich... Don't at me with Dan Dockett. You can watch weekday mornings here on the Outkick Network. He joins us now after his uh, radio program in Indianapolis, which I'm sure was on fire today. Dan, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Man, all of a sudden, it got hot in Indy, particularly uh, in the sports world. The word came down. Reich was out. A surprise, not really. And then, of course, Jeff Saturday Kept it lively. Kept it very lively. So is this, I mean, you're a popular guy in Indy, Dan. I feel like they could have hired you uh, to be the head coach <laughs> in the interim also. But instead they go with a beloved Colt in, in Jeff Saturday. Uh, is this more of a PR move? Or do you think Jeff Saturday's a guy they legitimately want to get a look at as some sort of tryout to maybe be the full-time head coach? Well, I think it's definitely a PRR move. I, I, look, I've been very vocal at talking about this particular regime. Going from the mean old Ryan Grigson to the overcorrection of uh, Ballard and Reich, and there's been no accountability here. They have expanded their PR staff fivefold, and really this group, uh, particularly Reich and Ballard, caters to media, caters to PR more than any. And really, Jimmy Ursay. Uh, is involved in it. I think when when things happen, social justice things happen, Jimmy Irsay maybe saw a bigger picture and didn't worry so much about winning, wanted his coaches and his team to be out in front, which is fine. But as you guys know, man, the NFL comes down to winning. So it didn't surprise, let me take you kind of through it, it didn't surprise that Reich was gone because I got to tell you, that was the worst performance, at least offensively, um, that I've seen in my 14 years. I, I thought it was an unprofessional performance. I did. I thought it was a team that, whether it was offensive line, defense was fine, quarterback play, running game, special. I just thought it looked unprofessional. I thought it looked overwhelmed. And no surprise, so Ursay fires him. And you know what? They've started bringing – Colts love themselves some 2000s, man. I'm telling you, you know, these guys walk around and you'd think they won 72 Super Bowls. You know, I mean, these are the OGs. And I always say, that's great. You guys are awesome. But you had the world's greatest quarterback and you got 
one Super Bowl. I mean, what, what are we doing? And everybody gets mad, but this is absolutely a PR move. But I also think that it wouldn't upset the Colts if Jeff Saturday and this team won. Lastly, it's the perfect time for Jeff Saturday to come to the Colts. In my time in Indy, I've never seen it. Maybe the 2-14 and 14 year when Peyton was out. But, fellas, I've never seen the bar lower. I, I never have. And if you win two games, people are going to all of a sudden say, hey, man, man, what a great job he did. Three games, you might become mayor. And the media is already fawning over the local media here, who I despise, um, already is fawning over uh, Saturday, saying that he crushed it as a high school coach. His record was 20 and 16, which is basically five and four, you know. But anyway, he's got a great start because the media here loves him, and people forget about Reich and move on to the Jeff Saturday home game in two weeks against the undefeated Eagles. So, Dan, if Correct me if I'm wrong. They've got two former head coaches on the staff. Gus Bradley and John Fox is there, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, that to me, to me, this is a signal that Ursay did this on the fly. Because if you're going to make a change, you could have easily done it a couple of weeks ago when they made the quarterback change, which was clearly Jim Ursay doing that. They fire the offensive coordinator, which, you know, again, is more Frank Reich than it is offensive coordinator. Point being, you could have made the move a couple of weeks ago with Bradley or, it, it better yet, Fox because he's just a defensive assistant and a, um, uh, more or less someone that's collaborating behind the scenes. Then make the move to Jeff Saturday who was in town, what, a week ago for the Colts Ring of Honor and tweeted out last week that the Raiders are horrible and it turns out the Colts are playing the Raiders this week. Again, I don't think Saturday knew about it. I don't think Ursay had thought about it until... He saw what happened in New England. And maybe I'm crazy for thinking that, but this to me is Jim Ursay being Jim Ursay. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot there. I think uh, Saturday was on our show, or not my show, the morning show. He does a bit with them, and he didn't mention it. But I've, I will tell you this. When I became the head coach of the University of West Virginia, I had the job a week in advance, and I would read all these reports on other candidates. When I had the Indiana interim head coaching job, I had the job about 36 hours before it was announced. Um, when Marshall's coach Billy Donovan left, I had that job if I wanted it before his own press conference. So I don't believe these things just happen. I think there was discussions. I think they love Saturday in this organization. I don't know that Saturday's an advisor. I think they're trying to give Saturday some type of title so that, you know, it doesn't look like some guy completely off the streets. But this does reek of Jimmy Ursay. And what it also does, fellas, is it absolutely shuts out Chris Ballard, which is good. He's the most overrated guy in the history of general managing. He's 45, 47, and 1. But when you listen to people, even on us with Fox, I had Jay Glazer going at me telling me how he's an elite coach, and I'm like, yeah, maybe so, but he doesn't win. Um, so anyway, I, I just believe that Chris Ballard is next. There's no real reason to fire a general manager right now, I guess. You're not going to inspire the team. But this has this is all Jimmy Ursay getting rid of. Wentz was Jimmy Ursay. Uh, getting rid of Brady was Jimmy Ursay. Marcus Brady, the, the offense coordinator. Benching Ryan for Ellinger was Jimmy Ursay. And this is 1,000% Jimmy Ursay. Where it went wrong for Frank Reich, in my opinion is the reluctance to go in with an offense last year, run first instead of pass first. 
buying all in 100% with Jonathan Taylor instead of having him as a an offensive weapon and a piece to the puzzle instead of him being the bell cow, the way the Titans treat Derrick Henry. And especially with the quarterback issues they've had, that would allow them some balance. That would allow an offensive line that hasn't been good to be better, at least they should when they're running the football. Why didn't Reich go all in last year with Jonathan Taylor? And even though they were talking about running it more this year, again, it's still been more about the quarterback issues. You may not believe this, but I believe they're trying to protect Jonathan Taylor and his career. This is a Hmm. organization that went from, and I'm being literal here, fellas, Bill Polian, Ryan Grigson had on their wall Jimmy Ursay's statement of nothing gets in the way of winning. Well, that really changed. And I swear to you, I swear to you, Two things were in play. I think they were maybe trying to keep Jonathan Taylor's career, but I also think Frank Ryan was a really dumb football coach. I mean, he had to. I want you to think about this. It was on hard knocks. And this is how stupid the Colts are, at least from my perspective as a former coach. There is a scene in hard knocks last year in season during a game where Quentin Nelson, the very overrated and ridiculously paid left guard, had to tell the coach, hey, look, Get the ball, please, to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, to your point, hadn't touched the football for 27 straight plays. 27. The Colts, in their infinite stupidity, thought that it was a cool thing that their player reminded the coach. They wanted you to believe this is a player-run deal. Fans looked at it differently. This is an idiot coach deal who had to be told by a big, fat, overrated, overpaid guard that you haven't gotten the ball to your best player. Fans right then said, look, this coach is a fool. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have a feel for the game. He can't make anything work that he does other than occasionally give the ball in a game like last year against New England. Fans saw through it. Media didn't. But it is well known, at least among people that watch and watch religiously, season ticket holders, that the thought is, if you got to have a left guard tell you to get the ball to Jonathan Taylor, then maybe you should go somewhere else and maybe, oh, I don't know, coach Little League Baseball. You might be more suited for that. So, Dan, I know I don't have to give you this you know, sports history lesson, but I'll, I'll just give a very brief one and ask for your thoughts on this. History of the Colts franchise. Johnny Unitas, pretty good quarterback. Had some pretty good success. Back with the Baltimore Colts. 1998, they draft Peyton Manning number one overall. That worked out until 2011 when he's out for the season. That leads to 2012 where they get the number one pick and draft Andrew Luck, and they have success until he retires at 29. Has the focus shifted yet to who they're going to draft at quarterback in this draft? (laughs) I I called it a soft tanking earlier. This needs to be a hard tank now with this team. Let's get up to one or two in the draft and go get Bryce Young or go find the next great Colts quarterback. You just hosted a show in Indy, Dan. Is that not the talk right now about starting to look at guys in the upcoming draft at quarterback? Well, I tweeted out what you said. I said soft tank, and everybody said it needs to be a hard tank. It will be tomorrow, right? I mean, give us today to (laughs) react to Reich being fired and Saturday, you know, out of the blue becoming the head coach. Here's what's interesting. 
I got a text from a former Colts employee that is still really tied in. Before they hired Saturday, he texts me, he goes, Dan, they're going to hire this Bubba Vatrone guy or whatever. They won't hire Fox. They won't hire uh, Bradley because it's boring. Colts are more invested in the dramatic, the PR. So what do they do? They go hire Saturday. But to your point, yes, this now... (laughs) This now needs to be a hard tank. This needs to be the kind of tank where you're literally, well, Dan Orvlosky almost screwed it up because he came in here and he won a game. You know, he almost screwed up the whole thing with luck. We would have rather have the Orlowski that ran out of the back of the end zone, but he won a couple games. He tried to screw it up. But the truth of the matter is, yes, this needs to be a hard tank. This team is going nowhere. There is no chance. I know the Titans lost last night. But even the Colts, think about this. They were one game out, just one game out. They have a guy on the team in Nick Foles that won a freaking Super Bowl, a Super Bowl with the coach, and they bypassed him for a backup practice squad quarterback that had been bypassed by everyone. And you know what else? This is how ingrained this town is. The lead columnist, a guy named Greg Doyle, after they lose and score 16 points, writes this big column about what a great move it is, and this is our next franchise quarterback, Sam Ellinger. Look, (laughs) get on the right side of the media, boys and girls. Get on the right side of the the freaking media. We're an outkick, Dan. We're already on the right side. You don't have to tell us that, buddy. We're there, man. I agree. I would have can right at the end of last season, Dan. Hey, who's calling plays now? Because they fired their OC before they fired Reich. Well, again, let me go to the media. The media says we have this young, up-and-coming coach named Scotty Montgomery. All right, he's a running backs coach. Been a head coach in college, East Carolina. His record is 9-28. and That was his record. But he, in our world, is a young and upcoming coach, according to Zach Kiefer, writer for The Athletic, Colts writer for The Athletic. So the assumption is... This young upcoming coach, the running back coach at 9 and 29, his record is going to be the new guy. Here in Indianapolis, here's what we say, or they say we're going to let Scotty Montgomery have the offense for the rest of the year, and he's going to become a coordinator next year. I have a saying on my show pull this, it plays jingle bells. That's what we do here in Indy. So, Scotty Montgomery, go get him, baby. <laughs> Uh, is this like New Year's Day for you with all the college basketball games tipping off? Hey, I, I was just saying to Chad earlier, I, I totally forgot about college basketball. <laughs> My son's team, Illinois State's playing. My Hoosiers are mark, making a march to a national championship. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, but I, hey, guys, you know how it gets. You guys have ingrained me so much into yep. football. Next thing you know, I'm an SEC football freaking uh, freak. I'm watching my Colts, and oh, by the way, Indiana plays tonight, Illinois State plays tonight, so yeah, I love opening day of college hoops. I'm going to be watching my Vols take on mighty Tennessee Tech tonight uh, on, I think, it's like ESPN++. I don't even know if it made the ESPN+, but it's going to be online somewhere. Um, But, Dan, I feel like it's not really college basketball season until the team you follow is in a game that shouldn't be a game when they get in one of those games where they might lose late and you're suddenly (laughs) invested in the final five, six minutes of a game, that's when it's officially hoop season. But you're right. It is tough in November in the middle of football 
to really get invested in anything basketball this time of year? When I was when I was at ESPN, uh, they would it was usually uh, it was Billis and Vitale got the first pick, and then I had the third pick on where to go. So for the for the Thanksgiving tournament, so I always wanted to go to the Bahamas, right? And I got to go there a few times. And so my, my college basketball was always lobbying for the best place to go, Puerto Rico, Bahamas, you know, telling Billis, no, you want to go to Madison Square Garden, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it kept me invested. But at OutKick, I'm worried about tomorrow, the politics. I'm thinking SEC football. I've got the call. It's, mad, it's madness, but we'll get the hoops. Don't at him. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Mornings right Don't here on the Outkick. Now, the man, and you better not at him. Looking forward to it again uh, tomorrow, Dan, me. 9 a.m. Eastern. You guys are awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks, there. Dan. Dan Dockich. Not out of breath yet. There he goes. He goes from don't at me for two hours, takes, I think, maybe an hour off in between, maybe two Eastern time, then goes into his daily show he does by himself in Indy for three hours and then pops on with us right when that show ends. I mean, I think the typical question would be like, okay, like, who do they need? Who do the Colts need when you fire a head coach? This is way out of left field with the interim. Who knows who's calling plays? Who knows what's going on with the general manager with Chris Ballard, if he's safe or if he's not? Because Jim Irsay's, you know, the puppet master here. So, it could go a number of different well, directions. Well, what's the now. organization that you raid for a GM? Like, who's the assistant GM? If you're looking well, at a model for the Colts, what organization do you go to and say, I'm going to go pluck the rising star assistant GM with this organization, or do you go to a retread? Well, I mean, recently it's been Kansas City. The general manager in Chicago is from KC. Ballard is from KC. I mean, they have this tier where – the Chiefs have branched off into multiple organizations now. But, you know... I'll, I'll throw one at you. San Francisco? San Francisco, uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. With the, the bold moves Someone they made. Someone under Howie Roseman in yeah. Philly. Um, you know, in, in recency bias as well, New England was also that stop if you yeah. start looking around the league, but it's not that now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's KC. KC, San Francisco, L.A., because we've seen the, uh, the the Rams assistant or scouting head of scouting is now the general manager uh, with, uh, what, Minnesota, I believe. I'm not making the argument that Detroit, coach, sorry, coach doesn't matter, but I, this is, to, is such a move to me for Indy now, where they have to really take a look in the mirror and self-evaluate their own self-evaluation because they believe that they have this dominant offensive line, and they have been awful well, this year, and they paid big money for it. But they really do, and that's going to take someone from the outside coming in and diagnosing things. Right. They have to self-evaluate, owner down, what are we exactly, what do we have, what do we need? Go find someone from an organization that you covet what they're doing with that organization. Hire a coach, obviously. Make it a good coach. But this is so much more to me about GM, quarterback. GM, quarterback. Those are the two biggest moves to come for Indy. Who do they hire for GM? Who does that general manager not who they hire as head coach. Who do they draft in the upcoming draft at quarterback? And you have a GM that was hired the same year. They interviewed for the same job here in Nashville, Chris Ballard and John Robinson. Robinson built a foundation up front just like Ballard did. They started inside out, offensively and defensively. 
one has had some success in the postseason, has raised the bar, right? We, we've seen expectations rise. And meanwhile, Ballard's looking, going, man, what we had planned to do is not good enough. Frank Reich's out. We were tied together contractually. To your point, you got to look in the mirror and, and, and reevaluate because I, I do think they've got some guys. They've got some guys that fit the, the physical mold. Quinton Nelson, DeForest Buckner, who they traded for. There are some others. But they have way too much finesse for a team that wants to be physical. And the Titans are the opposite. And the GM admitted that. The owner called them out this offseason about that about meeting the Titans' physicality. They were not that. And that's why Frank Wright's out today. And who knows about Ballard? He's got to put something together now. And he's got to work with the interim, which has been tabbed by the owner outside of the organization. Craziness. Craziness yesterday as well in the NFL where KC holds on in overtime. The Jets top the Bills. The Dolphins and Vikings hold on to continue their winning ways with their quarterbacks. And some other upsets as well. We dive into the headlines across the National Football League all next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You can join us in the YouTube chat. Search out I'll Kick 360. We hope you subscribe while you're there. You YouTube can also chat has been active today. Join I've, us I've on, uh, on Twitter. Same thing. Chat with Chad. That's right. Had another uh, Chutton happening this weekend, Hutton, uh, during the basketball game I was coaching. My wife Angie was across the way. We're at a small little community center where they yeah. couldn't even fit the other teams from the game after us. They all had to stay outside because it was just chairs around the wall and then the, uh, the edge of the court. And someone leaned over to Angie and said, hey, I hate to bother you with this, but is that Jonathan Hutton over there? <laughs> and she said, yes. it happens again. Uh, that's, that's, that's actually Chad Withrow, but they get that all the time. Just play into it. Yes, in fact, it is. Yeah, Hutton is actually coaching my child <laughs> in uh, her youth basketball league. Uh, hit us up at Outkick360. Uh, let's go around the NFL. Week nine, and it starts with the Jets. The Jets with a, a momentum and pivot win for them in the division against the Bills. Bills are now 0-2 in the AFC East. Meanwhile, the Jets continue their winning ways with a solid, solid game from Zach Wilson and company, but more importantly, a solid defensive effort from the Jets' defense. Really good on the back end. They can rush the passer, and yesterday... They really frustrated Josh Allen. At the end of the game, Allen's holding his elbow. He's banged up. He's being evaluated further today, and the Bills say they'll know more tomorrow as uh, the Vikings will come to town. But the Jets are, are in this. They're for real, and they need to be in that tier where we're including Baltimore, Miami, um, Cincinnati, and others, Titans, right beneath the Bills and the Chiefs. Healthy quarterback play, with Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes, they're still 
a notch above everyone else. But the gap is closing as we continue the the craziness across the league and the fact that defenses are catching up with offenses across the board. Here's uh, the Jets that found ways to manufacture yards and points and to get into field goal range to kick the game winner. I did not expect to see Zach Wilson with a better QBR than Josh Allen coming out of this game. Wilson, though, a very efficient 18 for 25, 154. Well, touchdown, no interceptions. Hutton, your guy, Sauce Gardner, continues to put up his claim for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year with another interception. Uh, you said it, the Jets are for real. I'm, I'm buying them right now. That's a huge win for the Jets. We, all eyes will be on Josh Allen now moving forward. Uh, but this, to me, was... Even with everything they've done so far, this was sort of the arrival, prove-it game that this is a playoff team. Yep. You know, right now, this is an AFC playoff team with the For Jets. Sure. This is no longer just some plucky group that you're saying, okay, how long can it last and will they be a story? I look at the way they're playing in their roster with all of those good draft picks recently. This is a team that's going to be in the playoffs. I've got a bye week coming up, I believe, and then they have the Patriots back in the division um, before facing the Bears and the Vikings. So they've got a, a couple of games coming up where still prove it moments, but the Jets are squarely in this. And what we don't know is the severity of the elbow issue for Josh Allen, which would really throw everything up in the air, not just with that division, but for the AFC in general. Um, yeah, but- it's, it's bye week. It's in New England. And then it's Bears at Vikings at Bills. Very tough. But then they get the Lions and Jags at home before ending in Seattle and Miami. So more tough games than not down the stretch, but they also get those games against the Bears, Lions, Jags, which will help. Two things. First, the Jets are more than just run game and defense. Um, It's more than just getting stops. They get takeaways. They have 14 takeaways now in the season. That equals the amount they had total last year. And so that's flipping field position. Short field is allowing your offense to go in at worst, get a field goal. And the defense is flying around making big plays, and they are extremely confident in man coverage. That's a a huge boost to a young Jets defense. Uh, Rich Semini of ESPN says the Jets are 3-3 and this season in games where they trail by double digits. Um, They were 3-40 and in the four seasons prior. Wow. So they're 500 where they're trading. And this was another case of that. It was 14-0, 14-3, I believe. And then here came New York, making some big plays, getting some takeaways, uh, complimentary football in the second half. And they did a tremendous job against Allen and Diggs after uh, what was a, a big connection in the first half. Jets are now 6-3. Uh, and three. The Bills are 6-2. and two. And here they, uh, here they go. Atop the discussion yet again, Giants were on their bye week now, so they're coming out of the bye week. The New York teams are legit, and the best division in football are the Easts, NFC and AFC Easts, top to bottom, running away with the the news of the league from a positivity standpoint. It's exactly what the networks want. (laughs) Yeah. When you get those big East Coast markets that are all relevant – and those are the best two divisions. That's exactly what the networks want. And then there are the Vikings. They're just running away with the, the NFC North in the same fashion the Titans uh, could have been and, and still are uh, based on results of yesterday. The Vikings win, and you've got Kirk Cousins dancing on the plane uh, with the chains and, and everything else. Uh, what another come-from-behind victory. 7-1. and one. 
the Minnesota Vikings, 7-1 with their 20-17 victory over the Commanders, who are 4-5. And, and here's Kirk Cousins going back to Washington and uh, helping pull the comeback with the uh, Kirk Cousins game-time throw, which uh, put the, the Vikings back in it. And then quickly, they gained the lead at the end. Well, I, I, I wish Paul was here today because he's been the one of us three that's been really down on the Vikings and not believing. And just to get his reaction to, is this a situation where you had some confirmation about your concern with the Vikings uh, in a close win over the Commanders? Do we, we felt better about the Commanders lately, the way they've been playing. Well, we said last week this was going to be a tight game. Yeah, but Minnesota's winning close games, and in the games that Washington has won they've been decided by like six points or fewer. I mean, very tight games. And they're not Same terrible. They're here. a game under 500. So yeah. uh, that's a nice win for the Vikings on the road. I'm a believer. I mean, you're at 7-1 and one at this part in the season with a league filled with teams that you should not believe in or that makes it difficult to really buy into teams. Eagles, Vikings, top the list for me in the NFC of, I'm buying. I'm certainly buying the Eagles, but even now with the Vikings – Best receiver in football in Justin Jefferson. Steady Kirk Cousins. Not going to go out and dominate a game or a guy that you necessarily game plan against, but getting the job done right now. Good defense. This Vikings team has been impressive so far. And I, even though we you know laugh at the commanders at times, I, that's an impressive win because they were in dire straits in that game and they pulled one out on the road. Well, Big it's, win for it's the Vikings. now the fourth time this season the Vikings have trailed in the fourth quarter but came back to win. Uh, Washington was up 17-7. Heineke went on this. He had a long touchdown pass where the Vikings collided with each other defensively. And uh, then later in the in the game, had a, another touchdown pass with 14 minutes to play in the game, early fourth quarter. And then the Vikings came back to win. We're going to know more, though, with this upcoming stretch. They have an upcoming stretch of teams that are combined 23-11. and 11, And they're now four and a half games up on their division. So they've got the cushion, but here comes the competition. At Buffalo this week, they're 6-2. and two, And then they're home to uh, host the Cowboys, who are also 6-2. and two. They have New England and then the Jets on their schedule after that. So they're going through the ringer coming up. And yesterday was a, a nice victory for them to continue to outpace the Packers and anyone else that wants to win a game here or there. They're in, and they know it, and they're good. They're very balanced, and they're getting, they're getting better defensively. But this is a, a Minnesota offense now that's going through the air first, and it's been impressive. We're going to stay in that division and talk about the Packers disaster Absolutely. also because we called it, Hutton. We said probable elimination game for Tampa, L.A., Green Bay in these games of a contender in the preseason that's going to completely fall out of favor with a loss. Did not expect it to be the Green Bay Packers in losing to the Lions in this game to be the team that's eliminated, but I believe they're done after that loss. They're, they're just not yeah. going to figure it out offensively. It's not happening. Well, he now Rodgers is now 27th out of the 32 starters in total QBR. Last season, he only threw four interceptions. He threw three yesterday alone. And they are extremely banged up. We'll have an injury uh, update for you coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes, but extremely banged up 
across their entire roster um, where Romeo Dobbs is injured, Rashawn Gary's done for the year, and you've got a, a quarterback who doesn't have the offensive weapons. Devontae Adams is putting on a show for the Raiders in the first half yesterday. Was in witness protection of the final two quarters, but I mean, the number offensively against Detroit, Detroit's defense just did that to the Packers. Detroit's defense, the amount of yards and points they've allowed. Aaron Glenn gets a game ball yesterday in the locker room from Dan Campbell. He's carried out of the locker room on the on his uh, players' shoulders. And he's been the, the butt of every joke defensively this year for the Detroit Lions. And Aaron Rodgers was bad yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean, let, really let's, let's, give, let's give blame there, too. It's not just a lack of pass-catching options or Matt LaFleur or offensive game plan need, needing to be simplified. He was bad. Uh, that throw to Bakhtiari is a great example. Uh, I mean, we can sit here and nitpick over, oh, are you, should you be throwing to your offensive tackle who's had multiple surgeries? On a play on fourth and goal like that, on a, on a trick play, tackle eligible, it was open. Well, if, if Rodgers throws it and leads him a little bit, but he didn't even look back, he, he assumed it was going to be wide open, threw it off his back foot, and Aiden Hutchinson made a good play on that one. That was a bad throw. There were a couple other ones that were just really good defensive plays, I thought, to cut off a pass that looked pretty good. Well, where it was an exceptional defensive but play. But two of the three interceptions were inside the five. Oh, yeah. You know, that those are. They're not driving the field very often now. No. So you've got to capitalize there, especially with a – I mean, you beat the Lions, you avoid falling to three and six. They couldn't do that. By the way, the, the, the well, staff – Well, a lot of blame goes to him. It, it, there's blame to go around, but in this game especially, oh, yeah, a lot of blame goes to It was an all-time bad Rogers. performance for him yesterday. Um, since October the 1st, number of wins since October 1st, Milwaukee Brewers 2, Green Bay 1. Consider that. Wow. Brewers, by the way, did not make the playoffs. <laughs> Neither will this team. No. Neither will this team. I'm saying team. keep that in mind. They play a couple games after October 1st. That was, those are regular season games. Their second worst scoring output, uh, the Packers' next three games, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles, all of which have top 10 scoring defenses. And again, help is not on the way. They made no moves at the trade deadline. Uh, they can run the football. But it doesn't matter when you've got to make a drive to go down the field and get points. The, uh, the Lions were able to take full advantage of that yesterday and a terrible day for Rodgers. I, I love it and I hate it when the reports come out after the deadline of teams that were in it heavy with certain players. Because on Sunday we start getting the reports that the Packers were very much in on Chase Claypool as an example. And I'm watching that and thinking, well then how do the Bears pull it off? In that division, in your division, if you're the Packers and you've got Aaron Rodgers in probably his final season with your team, that can't happen. That's an enormous, I don't care what the cost is in that. I saw the cost with the Bears. That's a cost you got to be willing to let go and make it happen to give Aaron Rodgers help in what's going to be his final season with the Packers, more than likely. Yep. So, I, I, to me, that. Some will say, well, that, that's a good look. At least the Packers tried to do something. I see those reports and think that's a bad look because you let the Bears pull it off, and you couldn't. Dolphins get the win over the Bears, 35-32. They're now 6-3. and three. The Bears fall to 3-6. and six. Justin Fields rushes for 178 yards in this game. 
Incredible performance. They're, they're using him to the best of his ability based on what they have offensively right now. And we have seen a better version of Justin Fields over the last month of the season. So props to Chicago there. Tyreek Hill continues to dominate. 1,104 receiving yards. That's a record through nine games. He's on pace for 2,085. Keep in mind, we've never had a receiver with 2,000 yards in a single season receiving. He could be the first, and he's on pace for it now as we go through the, bo- the bottom half of the, the schedule for Miami. Um, Justin Fields, though, is giving Chicago a pulse, and Tua Tagovailoa continues to win this season when he starts and finishes a game. He's 6-0, and and Miami is losing when he doesn't. So they are rocking and rolling there, and they're coming up with big plays on both sides of the football um, and their special teams. I should also say they're they're all three phases. They blocked a punt and got a score yesterday that ended up being the difference in the ball game. Miami and and what they're doing with Mike with uh, Mike McDaniel props. He's got them playing at an extremely high level, and they trust everything that's going on there, offensively and defensively. And they win again. The the and that's 60, another example of the division with the Bills. The sixty one year yard run by Justin Fields. One of the best quarterback runs you're ever going to see. I mean, that was some of the best of, of Michael Vick. Go through the running, great running quarterback, Steve Young. Yeah. Had some memorable ones. That was an all-time quarterback scramble, eventual touchdown run on that 61-yarder. Terrific. Just, they, they found something with Justin Fields. Is it sustainable? I don't know. But the Bears have improved. I did not think that was possible offensively with what I saw early on from this Bears offense. They're finding next plays, the explosive plays. And it's it's okay if it comes through the legs of Justin Fields. Let him do that because you're in ball games. You're competitive. It's not 6-4-13. I'll give him more credit than that. That's Malik Willis's stat line. 8-4-15. Uh, <laughs> please, you know, please, don't act With rash. an interception and the final score is something like 21-13. to 13. This is why you drafted the guy. It's why you traded up for him. Use him to the best of what he's great at. And so far, this month, they've turned a corner with that. No doubt. You know it's the start of college basketball season when you get some really uh, mismatched opening games. I just saw Jeff Goodman tweet, James Madison is in a close one with Valley Forge. (laughs) And I I clicked on the picture thinking he's being serious on this. Uh, The score... With 4.35 left in the first half, James Madison 54, Valley Forge 8. With over four minutes left, not even the final media timeout of the first half in that one. But I saw James Madison a close one with Valley Forge and thinking, man, is this going to be a real scare for for JMU? No. Was it IMG Academy in Florida that called the game at halftime this weekend? I saw the highlights. It was like 90-something to nothing. Did I see that right? I'm sure it was IMG Academy winning. Right. Yes. They they, yes. they, but they like, got with the other team and called it off. I saw a, 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 a montage of every score and how they did it. Like it was like 50 to nothing by the end of the first quarter. I guess it would have to be based on the 90-plus nothing score, but they called it at halftime. I, I see those types of games at, at the high school level. You see them far too often. But I'm thinking that is just simply a byproduct of two schools that can't schedule an appropriate game. It's almost like a forced, a, arranged marriage. Yeah. Two coaches can't find a game. Someone canceled late. So, oh, now we have to play IMG, and it's some team that has no business playing IMG that's just trying to fill out a schedule. 
to get to 10 games or wh- yes. whatever they need to fulfill, and you get matchups like that, and it's awful. Unless it was somehow a playoff game, which I doubt. I mean, it is playoff season in our state in Tennessee. I feel like the Florida season goes a little bit longer. I, I, I would hope for their sake they're better. They, they could actually a hold tough, them to 60 instead of 90. That's a tough first-round opponent. Coming up, uh, we'll continue the discussion across the NFL and update you on the injury news that you need to know about for your favorite team, who your favorite team is playing, your fantasy team, and more. It's next in Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Got several teams that enter week 10 coming off a bye for the NFL. Welcome back. Outkick 360. Huddy Withrow with you today. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, and 49ers were all on the bye tonight. Baltimore and New Orleans. Your NFL injury update off of week nine from what we've seen yesterday. Rashawn Gary, uh, Packers linebacker. Solid player. He is done for the year. He tore his ACL in yesterday's game against Detroit. They, I mentioned they're banged up. Uh, Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, high ankle sprain. Those are generally four to six weeks. He's one of the rookies that they were relying on to really come together within the offense. And while there have been flashes, there have been far too many steps back in the opposite direction for that offense. Other Packers players that got hurt during the Lions game. Offensive tackle. Uh, Bakhtiari, they had a corner that went down. Um, Jones in the backfield went down for them. Christian Watson at wide receiver. They're banged up. It's only getting worse. And uh, the severity of those guys not known yet. Let's see. uh, PJ Walker is going to start Thursday night. Yes, it's Falcons and Panthers, I believe. Thursday night football. PJ Walker, who was replaced in yesterday's game, for the Panthers in Cincinnati. By the way, the Bengals just oh. trounced them. Joe Mixon came to life. Um, well, they li- they leave Joe Mixon in to try to get the record <laughs> for touchdowns yeah. in a game. I mean, who thought that was going to be part of the game plan? Let's leave this guy in deep because we're beating them so bad, and Joe Mixon's going to be going to tie an NFL record for touchdowns. At, at halftime, 15 carries, 113 yards, three touchdowns. Ends with five. Uh, great day. P.J. Walker was 0 for 5. Uh, passing. He had two interceptions. He was replaced by Baker Mayfield. Um, many thought that this might be a chance for, and Baker did better than P.J. Walker did yesterday, but they're going right back to P.J. Walker this week on the, the short week. And keep, keep an eye on, on Josh Allen's elbow. Sean McDermott, head coach for Buffalo, says that they're going to know a, a lot more about the severity within the next 24 hours, and he declined to give any more commentary than that. So we may not know more through the team until Wednesday, whenever they go back to practice. Not good. Um, by the way, the Panthers also activated today Sam Darnold. <laughs> I mean, it's, it comes a point, you know, when, 
and they're firing people also. Yeah. It's just like, what's the point? Like just play out the rest of the season. I I, I thought about this with some uh, Auburn who was firing a lot of staff. I'm thinking, why? Just they're under contract. They know the players. Just force them to do their job for the remaining month of the season. Just the, play out the string. And then fire everyone and go hire whoever you're going to hire. But it's does it really send some sort of signal to your fans or anyone else? Like, oh, we're, we mean business here in Carolina. We mean business here at Auburn. We're getting rid of this trash, each and every one of them right now. I'm thinking, just, just play it out. Who cares? Well, they released Jacob Eason, and uh, Darnold's been hurt, so now he's back. And we'll see if he even gets into the mix. Um, and the Giants had the bye week, but... Also have an injury. Eventful add. bye week for Xavier McKinney. Xavier McKinney announced that he suffered a hand injury during the bye while he was in Cabo and will now miss a few weeks. Um, that, I mean, that's crazy that he has a hand injury in Cabo, but that's a big loss for their defense. McKinney is very good. You know, very good on the back end. You know what I like about this story is that he didn't try to deny it yeah. or hide from it. He, he posted his own, broke his own news on Instagram. And just came right out and said, during the bye week, I was with some friends. We were taking a guided tour on ATVs in Cabo. Got into an accident, hurt my hand. I'll be out for a while. <laughs> Thinking, all right, well, at least you came out and claimed it right away and didn't try to make something up. It had been almost a calendar year since Joe Mixon had rushed for 100 yards. And then he went off yesterday against the Panthers. Bengals 42, Panthers 21. Coming up, Notre Dame over Clemson. We start there with the headlines. So now K360. Echoes.